Chapter 20 of Our Western Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Alan Dove. Our Western Birds by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. Chapter 20 Our Western Wrens. Strangers who come to California often say, Why don't you have the wrens here? We do have some twelve or fifteen sorts of wrens, all with the familiar features of the wren family. Chunky little body, stick-up tails, stout long toes, slightly curved beak. But none of our wrens has yet learned to nest about our homes like the common eastern wren. Strangers coming here look out of their windows or stand on the balcony, and seeing no wrens about the garden, conclude we do not have this confiding little bird. If one would see our western wrens, he must go to the wooded foothills or canyons, or into the dreary arroyos and washes. Many common birds that now nest and live near human dwellings have learned to do so more from necessity than from choice. We have cultivated the meadows and hills, and cut down the forests and cleared out the marshes until the birds which once lived in these places were driven away. They were obliged to make our acquaintance and live with us, or be crowded into the sea or to the bleak mountains. Our wrens have still their native wilds in the west, but by and by, when we have cultivated all the land, they will, no doubt, come and live with us and change their habits to suit. We shall have them in our woodsheds and balconies, and they will accept the little boxes we shall put up for their nests. Now and then we do see some of the wrens in our garden, in winter time, searching about the trees and shrubbery with their cousins the titmice and chickadees and bush tits. It seems as if they are looking the ground over to see how they will like it when the time comes for them to stay. We shall all be glad to see them with their lively ways and pretty songs. Perhaps the most interesting wren we have with us all the year around, in parts of the southwest, is the cactus wren. It is so named on account of its preference for the dry, desert-like arroyos and washes, where hardly any plant grows save the bristly cactus. Here, with the rattlesnakes for companions and plenty of tiny insects for food, the cactus wren builds its nest and rears its family. It is well known that rattlesnakes are fond of young birds before they are out of the nest. Of course, after it is out of the nest and on the wing, any bird is more than a match for a snake. Snake sees the parent wrens flitting about the brush after the insects, and he thinks to himself, There are no trees for you to build in, little birds. I will watch and see where you put your eggs. But the wrens trouble not themselves about snake and his breakfast. Nature has told them just how to keep their young from so sly an enemy. Sometime in March or April you may take a walk out into the mountain washes where the cactus grows and watch for the wrens. If you keep still under cover of a scrub oak or a big rock, you may see how the work is done and how mother wren manages to get ahead of snake. Their nesting material is grass and slender sticks and plant fibers. These are woven into a pouch not unlike a bush tit's nest laid on its side. The nest is secured to the fork or branch of the low cactus. It is thickly lined with feathers. Then a long passageway, like the entrance to an Eskimo's igloo, is made to the nest, of the same grass and fiber. Wrens everywhere like shelter and hidden nooks. Snake, no doubt, sees all this work going on, and he basks in the warm sun and thinks about it. Let him try to crawl up to poke his sly head into Mother Wren's affairs, and he will be sorry he attempted it. Cactus thorns and stickers seem made on purpose to keep snakes out of Wren's nests. And the rattlers find this out sooner or later. In this nice, warm, safe nest, four or five little wrens are hatched and grow up ready to take care of themselves before Snake has shed his skin half a dozen times. 
Like many of our birds, the cactus wren manages to have the outside of her nest of one uniform color. We sometimes find them made of a delicate red weed that grows all over the barren hillsides and washes. The vigor's wren is resident in the west, north, and south. You will find it in the foothills and on the brushy mountainsides in summer, where it nests in holes in trees or in the ground. In winter, it comes down to the valleys and mesas. They love the vicinity of half-decayed logs and thick undergrowth, where loose rubbish makes a good feeding ground. The eggs are five or six, mottled white. They nest in April and May. The song of the vigor's wren is very sweet and varied. On this account, this bird is sometimes called the mocking wren, but it is always their own songs they are singing. In wintertime, they are very tame, allowing one to almost touch them, merely keeping at arm's length away. This habit of being so fearless in wintertime is shared by many of our wrens and titmice. They are intent upon getting their food. This food consisting of very small insects, the bird's eye is supposed to be adjusted to short focus to see these insects and are not suited to more distant and larger objects. The Parkman wren is another of our resident birds, but it comes in sight more commonly in summer than in winter. On this account, it is often called the summer wood wren. It nests in hollow trees anywhere from 5 to 40 feet above the ground. As usual with the wrens, the nest is built of bark and fiber and grasses, with plenty of twigs for a basis, and the lining is thickly made of feathers. The nest is deep, with narrow entrance, so that it seems almost impossible that the old bird can squeeze herself into it. Of course, it is not easy for the little birds to get out, as they must in some cases climb many feet. It is supposed that the old birds help the young in getting out into the world when it is time. They may boost from behind, as the bluebirds are said to do, or they may build a ladder or footrest of twigs. If our mockers and towhees and other birds in the gardens would make such provision for keeping the young at home until they are ready to fly, there would not be so many falling out of the nest before they are ripe. The eggs of the Parkman wren are five to nine of a pinkish-white color. Dr. Parkman, for whom the bird was named, found a nest in an old horse's skull that had been placed on top of a fence. These wrens are said to be even now changing their habits to those of the eastern house wren, for they have been known to accept cigar boxes nailed in a tree, and may even come to a house or barn in which snug little holes offer attractive nesting places. The wren family is so large in California, it would take a whole book to describe them in their ways. Children who care to study birds for what pleasure and information they can get will find the wrens very interesting. Especially if you live in secluded spots, in the foothills, or near marshes, you may have the wrens for company the year-round. There is the tule wren, which loves the swampy regions. You may find their globe-shaped nests in May fastened among the upright stalks of rank grass or tules. They love to feed in damp weed patches, but don't mistake the wrens for their relatives, the titmice and warblers. End of chapter 20